press the Lord, welcome to worship. Would you stand with us? We sing together, so good to see all of you. There's a river. There is a river of gladness that pours from Emmanuel's veins. The sinner was plunged beneath the flood, and God saved. Since then I walk in forgiveness All of my guilt was erased The chains of the past Are broken at last I got saved Oh, I got saved I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus I'm undone by the goodness of the
room can say this morning that is your testimony that you've been raised from death to life every day you're being raised from death to life and if you don't know Jesus you're gonna have an opportunity today 
to meet him and get to know him, welcome to worship. We are so glad that you're here. Before we do anything else, would you find someone you have not said good morning to yet? Say hello to them. extend that word of welcome and encouragement as you're seated, and we do want to say on behalf of our entire church family what a joy it is to be able to worship together. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. What a testimony, as Caleb was saying and as we were singing, what a testimony we have in Christ today. And you know, speaking of our worship and song, aren't you glad to have our incredible choir back leading us today, choir? We love you. Heard over this past week, we had 20 new choir members. So choir, way to go. We're so very glad to have them leading us in our song. And speaking of being back, uh, we are so excited to be launching a new series today called Distinctives for Disciples. And our pastor is back in the pulpit today. Would you just say a word of encouragement to him? Our first service this morning was just incredible. The Lord moved in a powerful way. The message today is what? is a Christian. What a profound question for all of us to wrestle with and answer in our own hearts and lives. And so be praying for our pastor in just a moment as he comes to break open the Word of God, to sit under the authority of the open Word of God, to hear it preached and proclaimed over our lives and into our hearts. Can't wait to see what God's going to do today. And you know, it is a joy, it is a blessing to be able to gather together. And for all of you that are worshiping with us, online. Our online community stretches literally all over the world, and every weekend it's our joy. It's a blessing to us to be able to join you online community in worship and praise today. And you know, if you're new here to Prestonwood, maybe this is your first time visiting with us, or maybe you've been visiting for a little while and Prestonwood maybe is not yet your home, we would love to know how we could be praying for you, how we could be encouraging you as you explore what a walk with Jesus looks like. I hope sometime today you'll take out your mobile device and text the word CONNECT to 74788. When you do, some information is going to populate right there on your device. It'll help you navigate ways that you can answer questions about our church family, learn more about what it means to be a part of this incredible faith community called Prestonwood. And at the end of our service, we'd invite you to go out to Guest Central. We'd love to pray with you, encourage you with any decision that you may make today. This has already been a phenomenal Lord's Day. Last hour, we baptized four. Next Sunday, we're going to be baptizing out in our newly refurbished and refinished fountain. It's going to be a beautiful morning as we celebrate literally the picture of new life in Christ, baptism, the testimony that God has given us. Maybe you need to join that group next Sunday in baptism. We'd love to talk to you about that today at the end of our service here at the end of the aisle or at Guest Central. We'd love to be praying with you and encourage you in anything that God may put on your heart. After the message today, we're gonna come to the Lord's table and we're gonna share in the Lord's Supper together as a church family. So as we do, as we prepare our hearts and our lives, would you bow your heads as we continue to invite the presence of the Spirit of God in this room. Lord Jesus, we call upon your name. We praise you for your goodness. We thank you that the testimony we have, God, is the word of what you've done in our lives. So Father, today, as we wrestle with the question from your word, what is a Christian? Lord, make our answer clear. Make our hearts full of conviction. And Lord, may we 
have a life that's filled with praise to you. Lord Jesus, you did pay it all. And we owe all to you today because of your grace, because of your blood, because of your goodness. Get our hearts ready for your word, Lord, to come to the table. In our worship, Father, we wanna give you all the praise, Jesus. And we pray this in your mighty and powerful name. Amen. Would you stand together with us? Savior say, thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine own. Sing it out. Jesus paid all, all to him I
morning, everyone. It is so good to see you and good to be back today in this pulpit preaching God's Word. Took a little bit of a break. Let me just say 
Let me just say, everyone who preached, we have an incredible group of preachers on our preaching team here, our pastors and ministers who filled in. And uh, I was watching online, worshiping uh, with you most every week I was out. And uh, let me just tell you, I enjoyed being online, watching the services and worshiping alongside of you, but there's nothing like being here. Uh, to all of you online, I hope you'll get here as soon as you can. Some of you live in faraway places. We're glad that you've joined us uh, online, but uh, it is so wonderful to be in this room and to fill this room with praise to our God. And uh, Jesus is present at Prestonwood when we gather in His name, and uh, so it is good to be in the house with you uh, today. And we are beginning a brand new series of messages called Distinctives for Disciples. And what this is about, it's not so much a doctrinal series as to what we believe, but more why we believe and how we live out what we believe. It's a Christian living series. It's a basic Christianity series. Uh, when Vince Lombardi, the head coach of uh, the champion uh, Green Bay Packers back in the day, came off a winning season again in those days. He gathered his team at the summer practice, and before they did anything, he got the group together, and he held up a football, and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. And what he was saying was he was just reminding everyone that football is about the basics, the fundamentals of blocking and tackling and running and catching, and you can do all the sizzle, but in, in the end, it's all about the football. And in the end, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, those of us who are followers of Jesus, it's all about the faith and what we believe, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to be talking about things that every Christian should know. For some of you who are seeking to know what it is to be a Christian, we'll be talking about uh, some of those things as well. But really, this is about believers and what it means to belong, to believe, and to battle for the Lord day after day. And so we're going to talk about uh, subjects such as faith, and we'll be talking about the filling of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, I've got a brand new book that just came out. It's a reprint, uh, really, from PowerPoint, and that is Powering Up the Fulfillment and Fruit of a God-Fueled Life. The Fulfillment and Fruit of a God-Fueled Life is all about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we'll be talking about that. We'll talk about spiritual warfare. Uh, we'll be talking about the security of the believer in Christ, what it means to know not only that you are saved, but that you are forever saved, and why we believe this. We'll be talking about the subject of the Bible itself. How can you trust the Bible? So you see where I'm going with this. It's a, it's a Christian maturity se uh, series. It's growing up in our faith and going forward in our faith. So you ready to go? Are you ready to grow? So take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Acts. This is where we're going to start because our first topic is a question. What is a Christian? Acts chapter 26, uh, and just hold your place there, because it, you might find it uh, remarkable that in all of the Bible, the word Christian is used only three times. Now, the followers of Jesus were called a number of things, believers, people of the way, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. They were called soldiers, they were called disciples, various ways in which Christians were described. But rarely in the New Testament are we called Christians three times. But these three times are really the marks of 
discipleship, what it means not only to be a Christian, how to become a Christian, but then how to be a Christian. And we're going to take a look at these three times that the word Christian is used because we're going to build this message and answer the question, what is a Christian? Now that is the most important question really that you can answer. Or to ask you the question this way, am I a Christian? And to know if you're a Christian, of course, you need to know what is a Christian. And because many people who would say, I'm a Christian, and the word Christian wasn't really adopted by the Christian faith until about the third century. It would begin, we began calling Christians Christians regularly or Christianity. And so it was later on that we were called Christians. And yet a lot of people today, they, they say, well, I'm a Christian because they may go to a Christian church or have been born into a Christian family or because they're not Jewish or they're not Muslim or they're not, they're not agnostic. They say, well, I'm a Christian. And there's a lot of misinformation, misunderstanding about the basic belief of what is a Christian. So very important. Paul said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Christianity is Christ. We talk about all kinds of Christians today, mainline Christians and evangelical Christians and, and, and Presbyterian Christians. And, and there are many opinions. And most people believe that being a Christian is being a good person and living a good life, which is commendable uh, to all, that we would live a good and godly life. But living a good and commendable life, going to church, uh, taking communion, being baptized, these are all important things. But being a Christian is having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You are not born a Christian. You become a Christian, and there's a big difference. And that's why this very first verse and the time that I'm mentioning to you regarding what is a Christian is found in Acts 27 or Acts 26 and verse 28, when Agrippa said to Paul, and this was a king, you almost persuade me to become what? A Christian. So Paul is before this king, Agrippa. He is a Jewish king. He's responsible for Israel under the auspices and the authority of the Roman government. There's also a governor of the Romans there by the name of Festus and his wife Bernice, and they were living in immorality, and Paul had already confronted them because Paul is on trial for his faith. He has been arrested for being a believer and follower of Jesus. He had preached the gospel all over the known world between king, before kings and princes and powers and in small synagogues, Jewish people, synagogues, everywhere he went. But it wasn't always that way with the Apostle Paul. And so Paul is telling this man, this King Agrippa, about his life. He is sharing his testimony as he's on trial for his face. And he said, you know, I was a Jew. I was a bona fide Jewish person. I, I even was so strong. I was a super Jew. I was on fire for my faith and a rabbi, and I was so angry at 
these Christians, these people that said they were followers of Jesus, that I was actually leading a terrorist organization to kill Christians. He was taking out Christians wherever he could go. And he was on his way to a place called Damascus to once again imperse, uh, to imprison Christians or to, to kill Christians. And on that road, he met Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Christ who is risen came into the presence of the Apostle Paul, literally knocked him off his horse. He was blinded in the presence of God. And he's telling this story to this Jewish king, Agrippa. He's talking about what happened to him. He said, you know, I was going in one direction and Jesus changed my life. I was going in the wrong direction. I was rabid. I was religious. But I was wrong about Jesus. And Jesus changed my life. And, and, and then he says something to this Agrippa. He said, now Agrippa, I, I know that you know all about this story about Jesus because he says, I think it's in about verse 18 or 19, these things weren't done in a corner. This is public knowledge, this story of Jesus that's going around. So you know full well this story of Jesus. He went on to say, he said, and I know you know and believe the prophets. I know you believe the prophets. So here's a man, Agrippa, who knew about Jesus, he'd heard about Jesus, he believed the Bible to some extent because he believed the prophets, he was religious, but in the end, after Paul shares his faith and shares his testimony, he says, Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. He was saying, Paul, are you trying to convert me? Yes. Amen. Everywhere he went, Paul was trying to bring people to Jesus. That's what Christians do, and Christians who don't are a contradiction. So he's saying, look, you almost, in just these words, you think I'm going to become a Christian? But the point that I'm driving home to you is that this man needed to be convicted of his sins, to be converted to Jesus Christ, and to become a Christian. So what is a Christian? There is a decision to make. Now, God is sovereign. God works by his Holy Spirit to bring people to conviction. He works through the Word. Nobody's here by chance or accident. Nobody's watching and viewing online apart from divine appointments. We believe God brings people together, his Holy Spirit. But there is a human responsibility to make a choice, a decision of your will. Jesus talked about these choices. He said, no one can serve two masters because he will either want, love the one and hate the other, hate the one, love the other. But you must make a decision. You can't serve two masters. Jesus talked about two roads. A road that is wide and broad and leads to death and destruction. And he said, another road which is narrow. And he said, few are on that road yet it leads to life. And he said, you must make a choice. Don't be like Yogi Berra, the wonderful baseball player. He had so many yogiisms. He was talking about one restaurant. He said, you know, that place is so crowded, nobody goes there anymore. But he also said things like this. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. Now, when it comes to Jesus and the fork of the road, 
You must choose life. That's why in the Old Testament, Moses the prophet said, choose life. I set before you life and death, therefore choose life that you must live. Joshua stood before the children of Israel and, and he said, choose today. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And there's a choice to make. There's a decision to make to become a Christian. You don't, you know, it's not like you're walking down the road one day and God just zaps you and poof, you're a Christian. You're not born into the Christian family. You are born again into the family of God. You become a follower of Jesus. There is this, this clear line, a decision to make. You say, well, how do I make that decision? What decision are you talking about? It's all about Jesus, who Jesus is. We've spent months over these last, uh, this last year talking about the story of Jesus and who He is and why He came. And, and now we're going to be talking about now that we know Jesus and follow Him, what does that look like? But, but it's all about Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God and God the Son. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and on the third day He arose again. He came out of the grave. He is alive. And if we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God has raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He doesn't reject anyone who comes to Him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And whoever means you, and whoever means me, as we call upon the Lord. But you must make that decision. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. The Spirit is knocking. The Savior is knocking at your heart's door. But you must, as an act of will, invite Christ into your life. Paul described it as a gift of God's grace. But to receive a gift, you must open the gifts. You must take the gift. And so God has provided this gift of salvation, which is the forgiveness of all of our sins, and Christ lives in our lives, and the hope and the promise of eternal life that begins now and never ends because we're going to heaven. This is salvation, to know Christ. Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's not just getting us out of on earth and into heaven is getting God out of heaven and into our hearts and that's what Christ has done for us he lives in us and we become by faith in God's grace and grace is God's hand of mercy and salvation reaching out to us and faith is when we reach up and take the gift and receive the gift if somebody gave you a gift and you just left it on the table and never opened it the gift is not applicable and so Jesus offers us this gift. God says, this is my salvation. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So there's so much that can be said about this, but I hope you're hearing what I'm saying, that you must become a Christian. Almost you persuade me to become a Christian. Some of you are almost Christians. But you're not fully persuaded. Let today be the day that you are persuaded. Let today be the day that you make that decision. At the close of this service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray and invite Christ into your life and to respond in faith. But that's the first mark of the believer. The second thing, and turn to Acts chapter 11. Go back in the book of Acts to Acts chapter 11. And 
here we meet some believers at Antioch, and God was doing a great work at this place called Antioch. As a matter of fact, the center of the Christian faith was moving from Jerusalem at this point, scattered through persecution, and at Antioch, God had done an incredible, uh, powerful work, and many people came to Christ, and from Antioch really became the mission point, the launching point to the gospel mission around the world. But it all started and described in verse 26 of Acts chapter 11. So when he found them, he brought him to Antioch, and it was a full year that they assembled with the church. Notice the importance and the significance of the church right in, heart, in the heart of this. And taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called, what? Christians at Antioch. First time. This is before Paul talked to Agrippa. Agrippa knew about the Christians, but they were first called Christians at this place, at this church called Antioch. How? Why? Not because they had a less named the church contest and came up with Christian. No, they were, they were not called Christians until this day. And why were they called Christians? Because the word Christian means Christ in you. It's little Christ. Christianity is Christ in unity. <laughs> Christ in you. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And so they were called Christians. Why? Because they, listen up, they resembled Christ. They were reproducing Christ. They were remarkably like Jesus. People were looking at these folks. They say, this, this is like Jesus. These people remind me of Jesus. So they reflected Christ. They reproduced Christ. They revealed Christ with their lives and their works because salvation doesn't end at the cross and the tomb, the resurrection. It goes forward. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, the gift of God. But then it goes on to say in verse 10 of Ephesians 2, for we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ unto good work. Good works. That God has created for us before the beginning of time. It's one of the reasons here at Preston when we have so many ministries that we feature, like today at the ministry fair the next couple of weeks, because we say every member a minister. We want every person finding discovering their spiritual gifts and deploying them in spiritual ministry. There's a task, there's a responsibility, there's a work. While we are not saved by good works, the faith that saves works, and faith without works is dead. Jesus went about, according to the book of Acts, doing good things. And so when Christ is in us, Christ is reproduced through us. It's not me just trying to do the best I can to be like Jesus. Jesus is actually in me, infusing me with spiritual power in order that I may produce spiritual fruit in my life. So to be a Christian is first a decision to make, and then, get ready, therefore there is a life to live. There is a life to live. If anyone be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, everything's become new. We've passed from darkness to light. We have this assurance because we know we're not what we ought to be, we're not what, we're not what we used to be, Praise God, we're not what we're going to be. We're not what we're used to be, but praise God, we're not what we're going to be.
because we are saved by the grace of God and Christ is living in us and this is a growing process and we keep growing in our faith but we become more and more like Jesus as we grow as we go until somebody looks at you your kids your wife your husband your neighbor your co-worker and says you must be a Christian anybody ever said that to you there were a group of college students some of you have dropped off your college kids for the first time lots of tears this week and there were a group of college kids that were having a you know they were having a you know, a session after, you know, they were just talking philosophy and life and, and religion, the subject of religion came up in their conversation. I think it was in a dorm room. And, 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 and so they started talking about Christianity and, and uh, somebody said, well, I think this is a Christian. Somebody said, well, what is a Christian anyway? And somebody said, well, I think this is a Christian. That's a Christian. And they were talking, you know, religion. But finally somebody said, let me tell you what a Christian is. A Christian is Oscar Westover. Funny name, but it's going to make my point. Because you see, Oscar Westover was a guy that that guy knew who lived for Christ. He was like Christ in so many ways. There was this Christ-likeness about him. And so when the discussion was, what is a Christian? Oscar's a Christian. So I have to ask myself, and I have to ask you today, if a group of people were sitting around talking about Christianity and answering the question, what is a Christian? Maybe at the, in the locker room, maybe in your classroom, uh, in your neighborhood. If there were, you know, if there was a neighborhood get-together and people start talking about Christianity, it, it, you know, if, even your church group, uh, if, if people are at, at the office, if people are saying, what is a Christian anyway? Would anybody mention your name? It's a big question. We are to live for Jesus Christ so that when people think of Jesus, they see Jesus in us. His joy becomes our joy. His purpose becomes our purpose. His His passion becomes our passion and yes there's one other thing his enemies become our enemies and that's the last time uh, that I want to mention the word Christian today and it's found in 1 Peter chapter 4 go to 1 Peter chapter 4 and look at verse 16 chapter 4 verse 16 it says if anyone suffers as a what help me thank you if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. So what is a Christian? There is a decision to make. There is a life to live, a life of Christ alive in us by his spirit, and there is a price to pay. If anyone suffers as a Christian, the Christians that Peter was addressing here, like Christians of every generation, are suffering in some way. These were in the fiery trials of physical persecution, but we all live in the midst of trials and tribulations and tragedies, whether we're suffering because of Christ, because of our faith in Christ in some way. The Bible says all that live godly, this is 2 Timothy, all that live godly in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. If you're not being pushed or pressured or persecuted in some way, 
canceled in some way because you're a Christian. It's probably because you're in some holy hole and don't stick your head out or else you're not living a godly life in Jesus Christ. Because all who live godly in Jesus Christ will face the flack. There will be fire. You will take fire incoming. And therefore, when you suffer because you are a Christian or you suffer because of life, some of you are suffering right now. Your, your kids have gone haywire. They're not in the faith. They're prodigals. Or your marriage is, is broken, and, and you don't know if it's going to get back together. Or, or, or your finances are shattered, or your dreams are shattered, or you're just going through trials and tribulations in your life. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Satan opposes us. Tough times come against us. So what are we going to do when we suffer? Blame God? No. Glorify God. That's what the Scripture says. If you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed of this. Be like those disciples when they were beaten within an inch of their lives. They said, we praise God that we were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. It takes courage and conviction to follow Jesus in every generation, including ours. And yes, if you stand up for Christ, there are people who want to set you down and shut you up. But my view is, churches today in general, Christians in general, we are way too passive. God has called us to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and storm the gates of hell. We're to fight the good fight of faith. We're to win people to Christ. We're to stand, get up from our knees, get up from our knees having prayed ourselves full and then tell the world to be bold and courageous about our faith, tell our friends, our family about Jesus. You know, some of us are way too concerned about what people say about us rather than being concerned about what God says about us. Be concerned about what God says about you, not what people say about you. Don't let people's rebukes or, 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 or their, their blasphemies, their mocking in our generation keep you from standing for Christ. We're, we're wanting to prepare ourselves in every way. I hope you saw we've got a worldview, biblical worldview conference coming up. Dr. Jeremiah Johnson is putting this together for both PCA and Prestonwood Christian Academy because and we've got incredible speakers because in this culture in which we live, we need to be prepared and powered up to give an answer for the hope that is in us. And when we do, there will be opposition. There will be resistance. There will be even persecution in some places. But what did Jesus say? He said, if you're going to follow me, pick up your cross. Take the cross and follow me. Whoever said it was okay to be on the fringes, to be a Christian if it doesn't get tough, to be a Christian if it's not convenient? Whoever said, well, I'm a Christian, but, well, I'm a Christian, but, you know, I'm not one of those born-again kind of Christians, or <laughs> I'm a Christian, but, you know, I don't say much about it. I'm, I'm a Christian, but I don't get that fired up about it. Whoever gave us the right to say, I'm a Christian, but anything? As Christians, 
We are to follow Christ without reserve, without regret, without retreat. To say, Lord Jesus, I will follow you anywhere, anytime, any cost. And let me tell you something. When you do, it's worth it. It's worth it. You say, that's why he said, glorify God in this. Praise God that you're facing some fire. And don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of it. Glorify God in it. So what is a Christian? There is a decision to make. There is a life to live. And there is a price to pay. Are you willing to give your life to follow Jesus? Whatever the cost, whatever the consequences, to say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer, every head bowed and every eye closed? And before we pass the elements of the Lord's Supper today, I want to invite you to the table. Don't take communion, don't receive the Lord's Supper without Christ in your heart. The Apostle Paul talking about receiving the Lord's Supper said, let every person examine their own heart. Let, you, let every person examine themselves. Examine what? Your faith. Are you in the faith? Do you know that you know Jesus in your life? And if you're in the faith and you know Jesus, if there's some things you need to set straight and get right, you're a Christian. You have become a Christian, but you're not really living for the Lord. You're a Christian if or a Christian but whatever. So it's a good time right now to renew your faith before you take of his blood. Jesus gave his blood for you on the cross. This is why we sing Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my strength, my all. So say that to him. If you have become a Christian, now say, Lord Jesus, may I live for you. And whatever the cost, may I pay the price with my family, my friends, this community, the world. The world behind me, the cross before me. Pray this prayer right now in your heart. Online, wherever you are, make this decision for Christ in this room. Lord Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. Come into my life. I turn from my sins and I trust in you. I believe you died on the cross for me and rose again. And right now, I don't understand it all, but I believe in you. I trust you, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Just call on his name. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, you say, well, I, it's, I, it's, I've been too wrong. I've been too bad. It's, no, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved means all sins gone by the blood of Christ. Saved means Christ lives in you. Saved means you have the hope of heaven now and forever. So, Lord Jesus, come into my life. And then I worship you 
by your blood and by the bread, representing your body and life given for me. I worship you today with an open heart and an obedient life. In Jesus' name, amen. At this point, I'm going to ask our deacons, thank God for our wonderful deacons, to take their places in service of the Lord's Supper. They're going to be passing you a tray. And in the tray is a cup of the fruit of the vine and a piece of bread, unleavened bread. And please take it, pass to your neighbor, give it to your children. Remember, this is for believers and Christians. And you're welcome at the Lord's table. So you're certainly welcome at our table to receive this supper if you know Christ. And so take it, receive it, hold it, and then together we will drink of the cup and eat of the bread in commemoration, in celebration, and in consecration of our lives before the Lord. And we're going to worship now together with a wonderful new song sung by Holly McWilliams today called The Blood the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that changes us. Let's worship together.
the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread similar to this, and he broke it. It was unleavened, that is pure, unpolluted bread. And he spoke of his death on the cross and his laying down of his life. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. the bread of heaven, Jesus, who satisfies and sustains us and strengthens us every day. And then the blood, Holly just sang of it. We shared in that song, oh, the blood that changed me, that cleansed me. The blood of Jesus took me from darkness to light. Mm. And on that night, that same night before his execution for our sins, he took the cup red with the fruit of the vine, the unpolluted, pure grape, and said, this is my blood. The New Testament of my blood is often as you drink of this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Would you stand with me quietly, reverently, and let me ask respectfully that no one be leaving the service at this moment because now's the time I'm going to invite people to make a decision for Christ, to begin living life in Christ. And you prayed with me, some of you online. If you're online, the number is 747-88, text in Jesus. And we're standing by to respond to you and help you on your way to Christ. And in this room, upstairs and downstairs, we're stationing ministers who will receive all who come forward. When I was a young person, I remember someone saying, if you were convicted or arrested for, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Well, that was convicting. So are you a Christian? Where's the evidence? What's your testimony? So, well, I don't know. No. These things are written, God's Word, that you may know that you have eternal life. So if you don't know, come to Jesus today. Come down this aisle. Maybe you prayed that prayer. You know you want to make that public decision to follow Jesus. Everyone Jesus called, He called openly and publicly. And no secret disciples. Remember, there's a price to pay. Who stands in the shadows? when Jesus did all of this for you. So would you come forward today and say, yes, I want to follow Christ. There are others, you are believers, but you've never been baptized. Next week, we're going to baptize in the fountain. We baptize virtually every service here in the baptistry behind me. But outdoors next week, if you'd like to be a part of that or schedule your baptism, come. Because baptism is the open confession of the inward decision to follow Christ doesn't save, it doesn't help to save, but it shows that you are obedient to the Lord's commands. You begin living this life. So come for baptism today. Others, 
you are a believer and you're a baptized believer, but you're not active in a local church. So today's the day for you to come like those Christians at Antioch. They were Christians in a place. It wasn't just out there being Christians somewhere. There was a church and they were in it. So come and join this church today as you have joined Jesus. Join his church. And if Prestonwood is God's call in your church, come and make that decision. In fact, let me be so bold as to say those of you who are believers and you, wanna, and, and you need to join this church today, lead the way. Set the example for others to follow you to Christ for the first time. So Lord, move in every heart and in every life today by your Spirit. And as you move, help people to say yes to you in obedience to you and follow you as Savior and Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for worship at Prestonwood. As you heard earlier, if you made a decision for Christ, please text Jesus to 74788. We would love to connect with you and give you these great resources to help you grow in your faith. One is a New Believer's Bible with helpful notes to help you study God's Word. The other is a book by Pastor Jack Graham on the next steps to take as you pursue this new life in Christ. As we close, I'd like to thank you for your faithful giving to support Prestonwood and the work God is doing through our ministries. If you would like to give, text word GIVE to 74788 or visit prestonwood.org give. It's been a joy worshiping with you and we look forward to seeing you again soon.